Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with award-winning choreographer Tina Landon about the 35th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Control album. Tina was a young dancer at the time and danced in two of Janet's iconic music videos, What Have You Done For Me Lately and When I Think Of You. We also chat with our music editor Sharon Hyland discussing if members of the entertainment community, specifically actors, singers and musicians, should ever consider running for president or some other form of public office. Follow us on Instagram, Kelly Alexander Show. As we celebrate the 35th anniversary of Control, we are super excited to welcome back to the Kelly Alexander Show, someone who has been an important part of Janet's projects for so many years, and she got her start with Janet during the Control album era. Tina Landon, how are you? Oh, what's up? I'm so happy to, to have you back. And now we get, because of uh, the madness that is our world, we get to do this like via Zoom. So it's cool. I know. It's awesome. One good thing to come out of this, right? Exactly. Um, so let me start here. Uh, you and I have had so many discussions um, about your work with Janet, but we've never really talked about the control era before. Can you tell us how you first met Janet? Because I understand it was on the set of What Have You Done For Me Lately video. Yes. Actually, uh, we met for, in rehearsal for the What Have You Done For Me Lately video. Yeah, it was interesting. I was it was just one of those things, you know, where we're dancing away and then the door opens and she kind of sneaks in quietly. And of course, at that point, either dancers like either amp up everything they're doing or they completely fall apart. So I don't really remember. I was probably more like, like trying to kill it, you know, because she was in the room. But yeah, that was my first introduction to her. And so can you um, take us through the steps of how you actually got the opportunity to be in that video? Like, did you have to audition? Like, how did that all play out? That one was, you know, it was one of those weird, um, you know, you can call it a God thing, you can call it coincidence, you can call it just right place, right time. But I, at that time, had been uh, working with the LA City Rockers, right? So it was Terry Bixler, Anthony Thomas. I was brought in as kind of like the jazz street girl, even though I had like no street cred whatsoever, right? I was total jazz and I'm trying to learn how to pop and lock and my locking was okay. My popping just, I was like, can we just like, can I just leave the stage at that point? Um, so we had a gig, we were dancing, I think for Puma at the time and that weekend got canceled. And so Paula, you know, we still had her, I wasn't a Laker girl anymore, but we still had our relationship and she was aware that I, that my gig canceled. So she literally, because that video kind of fell in her lap. Like she called people that she knew, dancers that she'd worked with. She's like, I know you're, you know, you were supposed to be out of town or you are going to be out of town, but this video came up. Would you love to do it? And I was like, yes. And that was like the first gig I think that I didn't have to audition for. Like that was a major, major gig. So that's, yeah, that's how it happened. She basically called and said, do you want to do it? And I was like, absolutely. And what were, were your, or what was your knowledge of Janet to that point? Like, uh, obviously she'd had the two albums out before, you know, she's part of the Jacksons, but like, where was she in your consciousness? No offense, but pretty non-existent. I mean, I didn't follow Janet or the Jackson family. Of course I was in love with Michael when I was like eight years old or something. And, you know, I fell in love with him when he wrote Ben or performed Ben, like the little rap movie thing. Um, but I wasn't, and I knew Janet from, uh, good times. good times. Yeah. 
So, you know, obviously I knew of her, but I didn't follow her music. So I wasn't um, a huge fan at that time. I just wasn't, I just, she just wasn't on my radar. Can you talk to us too? Because you and I have discussed this before when it comes to the Janet album and the Velvet Rope album uh, and even Rhythm Nation, like your initial thoughts of that music and how it made you feel. So, and obviously it was Velvet Rope, like you knew you were going to work on that project, like the Janet album, like all that stuff. So I'm sure that was a part of it, but with Control, how did that make you feel initially when you heard those songs? You know, kind of like the other ones. It was, I felt like she always came to the table with new sounds and new, she she was really good at capturing the culture at the time and like what was going on kind of just in, not just pop pop culture, but something that dancers could always be attracted to. And so for me, it was, it was fresh and it was new and it was funky and it was, you you just again even that early on you knew you were part of something really special and new. So when you got to rehearsal for what have you done for me lately? How long had that song like had it been out for a while? Not obviously not too long. Did like how how quickly did you get your hands on that music to to get ready for it? No, I don't think I had even heard it. I don't think it was out yet. I don't. I think it was. I don't know if it was on purpose that it was like shrouded in secrecy, but especially early on back then, like music was pretty secretive until it was released. So I, the first time I heard it was when we walked into rehearsal. Oh, wow. Okay. And what were your thoughts? Because that's such a banging song, right? And like even 35 years later, it's the jam. Yeah. And it, you know, it was one of those, like, what have you done for me lately? It was like, so like uh, boss, you know, like girl boss and tough. And it's like, like that, I just didn't feel like there was like that kind of music going around at the time. So for, for females, um, I don't know. It was, it was, it was that tough, like girl thing that we all kind of, you know, just jumped on. It was like, yeah, this is awesome. And it's funky and it's cool. It was like, it had like, it was all wrapped up in one thing in one song. And what was it like with regards to the choreography? Because Paula choreographed that, you know, she did a bunch of the songs on the album. That was obviously one of them. Talk to us about the choreography and learning it. And like, was it new and fresh for you at that time? Yeah, you know, so I had worked with Paula for years prior to that. So I was very used to her style. So I already knew it was going to be cool. And there was going to be, you know, a level of funk involved, level of jazz involved. Um, but the thing that got me with that song was the snake, right? Because I was like really late to the party. So, you know, Paula comes in with this new hot dance and I'm sitting there going, ah, mm, I can't do that. I, I don't know what that is, but I felt so goofy doing it. Um, like I probably didn't really get it until after the video was like shot, released and like it was in my body. Cause I, I don't think we, we rehearsed that long, you know, just a few days. And it's actually really funny that, you know, when in the video, when the crowd parts, like I'm the one that they're focusing on. I'm like, of all the people that like was highlighted to do the snake, it was me. And I just felt so ridiculous, but I, I did get it afterwards. <laughs> well, you look great in the video, so thank you. <laughs> there's no problems. Uh, hanging out with us on the Kelly Alexander Show. It's one of our good friends, uh, world-renowned, award-winning choreographer, Tina Landon. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram. She loves that, at I am Tina Landon. <laughs> she loves social media so much. So choreography, when you're in rehearsal, you and I have talked before too about, um, and I'm not sure how it sort of progressed over the years that you work with Janet, but 
does, is she sort of like active right away? Like, or does she hang back, watch how it's all being put together? I know when you guys worked together, it was very collaborative, but in that early stage, was she sort of just taking Paula's cue in a way? You know, as far as I know, because I only saw Janet in the rehearsal process. So I'm not aware of whether she worked privately with Paula. I can only assume that she did just because that's kind of how we would work. You know, I would work with her a little bit, depending on what it was, she would get some private time. So I'm just going to assume that she probably did get a little private time with Paula so that she wasn't put on the spot with all the dancers right when she walked in. But once she gets there, she likes to look and watch and kind of hang and, and kind of warm up to the room, I guess, a little bit. And also just to kind of view what's going on, make sure she likes it or if she wants to, you know, suggest some changes afterwards. But yeah, she kind of comes in very quietly, watches everyone, does a little wave from the corner, um, and then eventually gets in the groove with everyone. So sometimes she'll come just to come by or she'll be in rehearsal just to watch and view. And then other times she actually is there to rehearse herself and participate. Over the years, again, from that to Velvet Rope, did that process always kind of stay the same with her? Like how she, or did that evolve too as time progressed? I think that evolved as time progressed because she got more comfortable being in a room with dancers, learning choreography. She wasn't embarrassed to learn in front of other people. I think in the very beginning, she's just a little self-conscious because, you know, dancers pick up super, super, super fast. I mean, you show them, they have to. And you show them one thing and they learn it like that. And I think a lot of times with artists, it just takes them a little time. You know, uh, Janet has very natural ability, but she wasn't a trained dancer. So I think over the, over the years and the amount of music and the amount of stuff she was putting out, I just don't think there was time for that. And she just kind of, after a while, just kind of jumped right in with everybody from the top. When you were on set for the Lately video, what do you remember looking back in your mind? Like what, like, cause the costumes are crazy. It was such a great eighties like vibe. And it's still like, cause I, you know, I watched it yesterday as I was prepping for this and I hadn't seen it in a while. And it was just so crazy to just see, like, it's still cool. Like it's still cool. Right. I, you know, there was a lot because for me, I mean, I was a new dancer, so every ounce of it was exciting. Right. Um, just trying to find my place and, and, find how to get to the shoot, how to get to the studio and like, you know, showing your past to the parking guard and all that stuff. Like it was all nerve wracking. It's like, am am I going to get there late? Am I going to get there on time? What freeway do I take? And, and then, you know, you step in and it's just like this big sound stage. You're like, Whoa, I mean, you know, 40, 50 foot ceilings. And it's like, you got people running around, you've got cables everywhere, you've got sound on one side, you've got an art department over here hammering away and painting sets. And I think for me, the coolest part was um, was the restaurant to see, because I'd never been on a set before. So I didn't know like, you know, that they can make something look like you were really in a restaurant. I'm like, oh, this is cool. We look, we're like in a 50s diner. And yet, you know, you only have two walls set up and a few stools, but it really made you feel like you were in that place, um, which really helps with the performance of it because you're not just behind, you know, in front of a green screen or, you know, dancing in a pile of dirt or something. Like you're actually in the space. So, I mean, there, God, there was so much. And then like the storyline, like watching her act, watching the the back and forth like the west side story of it like you know the girls versus the guys and all that storyline was so rich and like fun and 
and like, you know, the wardrobe. And then sometimes we got to keep like, you know, we got to keep the shoes or we got to keep the hat and like part of that kind of stuff again for a new dancer. It was just like Christmas. Like you're just opening up one box after the next and it's just all full of this excitement. And yeah. And even not knowing that we were going to be there. Oh God, who knows how long we were there? 12 hours, 14 hours, you know, those shoots went on so long, but it was like, kind of like you just did not want it to end. You were tired and exhausted, but it was so cool at the same time. You're just like, yeah, I'll do it again. Yeah. we got to do another take. Yeah. I'll do it again. That's so cool. And again, being, seeing Janet evolve, because to me, that's obviously one of her first music videos. And so what would like, like, I mean, and she's been on, on TV sets. Like we know that she's obviously a Jackson. Like she'd been around this for years. She'd been in Vegas, like all that stuff. Cause in the video, when you see it, she's seamless. Like she just looks like she's completely at home in this character. And then being Janet, like with the dancing, uh, what was it like watching her being the person watched by everyone? You know, it was interesting because the only thing that I could really compare it to was Janet in rehearsal and then Janet performing in front of the cameras. And it was day and night, as we've all seen. And and that's still the case, right? She's quiet and she's studious in rehearsal and she's professional. And you just kind of wonder, like, oh, is she going to, like, she's so quiet. Like, how is that going to be a front person? Like, how is she going to? pull it out. And then it's like the minute the cameras are on, the lights are on, costumes, it's like, she's a different, she's the Janet that everybody sees and knows and loves. That's awesome. Now, how did it work for you to come back for the When I Think of You video? Because that's such a great video too, because it's like, it's almost like the single shot, right? And again, it, it looks like this, it's this massive soundstage. So talk to us about that experience. Like, did you even have to audition? Well, you didn't have to audition the first time. Did you have to audition for this or how did that play out? Yes, I did have to audition for this. I was not happy about that. I was like, wait a minute. Again, I was a new dancer. So I'm like, I didn't understand how things work and the rules. And like, you know, just because you get one gig with an artist doesn't mean you're going to get the next one. And I think that was actually kind of where I, it like stuck in my brain. And that's why even today, I never expect the next gig. I always know it's like, Hey, things can change. They might look for something different. Um, They might, need to see you in this role, so to speak. So that was a huge audition. There was tons of people there. And yeah, it was like, I kind of felt like, oh, did not my last work mean anything? Like what's happening here? Like there's all these people and they're all really good. And, um, but yeah, and then I ended up booking that. I mean, that was, I can't even remember how many dancers were on that set because it was, um, a continuous set, you know, and that was all new to me. I'm like, what are they talking about? How are we ever going to do this? But then when it was uh, explained and looked at more like, oh, it's more like a live musical, really, right? You're just moving from, from place to place to place. And it was really fun because you got to see all the other parts, right? I just remember the sailors and I thought that part was cool. And, you know, you want to be in each section, but you can't because you're she has to walk into the scene and not, and not everybody was in each section. So I love the scene that I was in. I love the choreography. And, but at the same time, I wanted, I kind of wanted to be in every, every part of the video. Um, and that was brand new at the times, right? It was new technology. Like no one had ever shot a video like that. Um, so it was again, another like, wow, this is exciting. This is new. This is fresh. And, and of course I love the song. The song was, one of those that when you're tired and you've done a million shoots, it's like the song comes on doo, 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 
and you're like, oh, okay, okay, where am I supposed to stand? It's like, it just, it's like a happy song. So you just kind of, yeah, just get in place and hopefully you're dancing in tennis shoes and not high heels. And I think I was, I don't remember, but, but I do remember that it was, um, it was kind of the best of both worlds where you feel like you're shooting a video, but then you also feel like you're shooting a musical at the same time. Actually, speaking of that, I know you kind of mentioned earlier. So was the Lately video your first real like pop video or had you worked with Michael? Because I know that was around that time too that you had done Michael's, uh, was it Smooth Criminal? or It was Smooth Criminal, but I get the, the timeline mixed up. I want to say that I had done What Have You Done For Me Lately first. Okay, okay. And then... I may have done Smooth Criminal in between the two, okay. but I don't honestly remember. Okay, okay. And a lot going on. There was a lot going on. And looking back, like just again, because that was such the advent of like, I mean, I think 84 was probably where, you know, even maybe a little bit before where music videos were really starting to pop. But I would say, you know, 85, 86, like 87, like people are really getting into it. Looking back, like, in history, though these videos from the Janets, the Michaels, the Madonnas, like they they still stand up. And and how important do you think they were in uh, leading into the '90s? Because it it just seemed like that was such a strong base going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were the pioneers to what dance videos should look and feel like, right? Um, and especially with Michael, like he was so. Um, adamant about showing the choreography head to toe and and Janet was the same way like you'll see a lot of her videos back then especially that were head to toe locked off shots let's just get the dance because it was very common for directors to have a kind of a different approach and a different um idea of how they wanted the video to go and theirs was flashy and cut 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 and it's like, no, we're dance artists. We have dance music. We want to actually show the dance performance of all of this. So I think they, they were definitely the pioneers of how music videos, especially concerning dance, should be shot. When you, if I zoom you all the way to the 2000s, when you were working with like Rihanna, uh, for example, did you have nostalgia for the 80s in a way because I'm assuming in the 2000s fives whatever it was they're not giving you that amount of time that you might have had back in the day and maybe even the luxury to do those shots that you would have wanted to showcase all the dance oh yeah I mean I think gosh probably after everything started to change a lot more after I would say my work with Janet on the velvet rope where people weren't putting a lot of money into proper rehearsal time. They just, they didn't really understand it. Right. They wanted, they wanted the expertise and the level of of performance that Michael and Janet did only they didn't want to put in the extra money to do it. So everything started getting chopped, you know, like, I don't know that we worked less than a week on, anything that I did with Janet and we did that whole Rhythm Nation um, compilation that short movie I think we worked on that for like three weeks and so yeah there were many times where I would be getting hired and I'm thinking okay I'm you know planning I've got my calendar out going okay we need like if you want to do from top to bottom 
choreography. Like we need probably a, a good five days. Oh, we don't have that. It's not in the budget. We have two days. I'm like, well, then something's got to go. Right. So yeah, I have been still longing for those days because everything is, you know, time is money. Time is money is kind of what gets thrown around, but then they don't realize that. Yeah. Well, it takes its toll on the level of, or the quality of the video that you're going to get because maybe the dancers can, can learn that fast and learn that much, but the artists usually can't. And then they've got the artists, you know, booked on everything else so that they are rarely in rehearsal to begin with. So, yeah, I think that, um, I think that some of the people, some of the artists like Beyonce understand, like when we're going to do a big video that, it's if we want to get to a certain level and I'm going to put, you know, Janet's level, Michael's level that we have to actually raise the money, accommodate for the time or we're, or our, our overall project is going to suffer. And I think we've seen it over the decades that a lot of music videos have suffered because of that. When, when in they want to uh, highlight dance, right. That a lot of, it is, it's non-memorable because you don't even get to see the full choreography. You see pieces or they haven't given the dancers or the choreographer time to create the whole song. So you just see repetitive movement throughout. So it kind of just doesn't land or give anyone any inspiration to want to learn it. Do you think going forward that there might be a return to these times? Because like, just even you saying now, like there's certain choreography that is, remains iconic. Like, uh, Paula's work in lately, like yours and if, like your yours in in together again. You know, like the, there there's a list of certain songs that are iconic that people know the choreography for. But yeah, if you ask me like a recent song in the last three years that I can really remember the choreography, I probably couldn't tell you one. <laughs> I probably couldn't tell you one. Right. Do you think there'll be a return? Like, do you think because like you said, Beyonce, I think she knows because she also comes from that school of thought, but I don't know if the younger people have that in them to know because it's almost like TikTok 20 you know what I mean it's like do a TikTok 20 second that's enough I was just that was on my mind I was like well it's a TikTok era right now so people have 20 seconds of attention spans so um I think that the artists that care and want and have the financial ability to do something like that will find a way to do it but unfortunately, I don't know because I feel like so many people have adjusted to the new quality or lack of music videos and music performances that they, they either just don't have the imagination because they're too young. They didn't see the Janet video. They didn't see what it could be. So they've only seen the 20 second TikTok. That's all they expect. So you see award shows that, again, the, the dance is like. Either you don't see them because they're all in black in the dark and you can't see the choreography anyway, or they rehearse for two days for four hours and expected to do an amazing performance and it just landed flat. Um, I would like to think that those days are coming back, but I really think it's going to be uh, the responsibility of the artist at hand and what it is and the quality that they want to put out. Hanging out with us on the show, Tina Landon, award-winning choreographer. You can follow her on Instagram at I am Tina Landon. If I bring you back to being in rehearsal with uh, Paula, for example, because normally when, when you and I are talking, we're talking about you running rehearsal and, and how it was with, with the, you know, with the Janet album, the Velvet Rope album. What was rehearsal like with Paula and, and just how that, that ran out? 
rehearsals were with Paula were very nonstop. She's not comfortable with people sitting around uh, taking breaks for very long. So if you are taking a break, you better be going over the choreographer choreography in the corner or and full out. Like she's a full out person. If she sees something that's half done or if you guys are marking it, then she starts to not like it and then she starts to change it. So when you're working with Paula, you better be full out from the time you walk in the door to the time you leave. That's cool. Um, let's talk a little bit too now about the the uh, the 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 fact that when you became Janet's full time choreographer around the Janet album, and then obviously through Velvet Rope, um, when you're like, let's like take you back to the Janet set list when you're you know figuring out what control songs are going to be on that tour. How does the balancing act go between uh, upholding you know, Paula's choreography, uh, or, you know, Anthony Thomas's choreography or whatever with the fact that you're on this Janet tour, uh, do you need to freshen up? Do you keep it the same? Like wh- how, what runs in your and mind at your mind and Janet's mind to, to, to operate that? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think it, it depends on the song. It depends on what the choreography is. So sometimes if, if the choreography is like super memorable, like the drill in Rhythm Nation, right? Or, you know, to toot my own horn, you know, the breakdown of if, like those are, it's kind of, you feel like that choreography is married to that piece of music. So you want to honor it and keep it, but then maybe the other stuff can be moved around, right? Otherwise, well, I have a new choreographer. You're just going to use all the old choreography, um, so I think there are things that you, there are pieces of choreography that you want to honor. And then there's others that can stand to be freshened up. I think sometimes too, when too many fad dances are put in or something that's, you know, uh, popular at the time, it's, it's dated when you try and do it the next album or the next record. So those types of things aren't lasting. And I think those types of things you have to, you know, rearrange and change and freshen up. Is that always in your mind, T, when you're creating stuff like and what, you know, when you were creating stuff for Janet, like because you already have enough on your plate. But like, are you thinking like I need to not be too trendy right now? Um, that's kind of always been my thing, because I just know that by the time. Um, the first of all, by the time the trend comes to me, I know and if it didn't create, you know, get created in Los Angeles, if it was like Atlanta or something that, that it might already start to be getting old, right? Or there's always variations of it that, that, that come out of it afterwards. So I just feel like it's kind of like when you buy a car, the minute you drive it off the lot, it's depreciated. And I feel like that happens with, you know, trendy movement that it's really hot for a second. And the minute you put it in a video or on stage, by the time especially if you're touring six to nine months, by the time you get to that nine month, no one's doing that dance anymore. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always been in my conscious to like, uh, there are certain things that, that I think will last or aren't super trendy. Do you know what I mean? Um, that I think can, can if, if I think it can last, then I'll use it. If I think it's literally a TikTok moment, it's here and we'll be gone tomorrow, then I try not to put those things in because I just, you know, it dates your material, your material immediately. 
Now, I'm not sure if you can speak to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. When it came to, because I know like, so you were, you were in the Lately video, you were in When I Think of You. When you were on those sets or in that rehearsal, was there any talk at that point of Janet actually going out on tour? Because I know at that point she had not ever done a big tour. It was, And this was her first major album, you know, that did well, even though it was her third. Was there any speak of that? Like, did you, did you think there, there would be a chance for you to audition for a tour? Um, not to my knowledge. There was no talk of a tour. Now, maybe there was something that was spoken between her and Paula at the time, um, but I was not aware of any of that. And I really wasn't um, aware of a lot of artists going on tour and taking dancers. So that wasn't a thing. Like right now, you know, if any artist is having an audition, you you're, you automatically go, oh, hopefully after this video, we'll, she'll go on tour. Like that's just kind of where everything does go. But at that point, I, I think that, Control was the album that really pushed Janet out there. And to go on tour, you want to have, you know, enough material, enough hit songs to do for an hour and a half to two hours. And I just thinking logically, I just don't think there was enough material from the one album to tour. And which is why she waited to do it um, during Rhythm Nation. Okay. I also wanted to ask you too, like, uh, again, in preparation for this interview, it kind of got me thinking just the, the various choreographers that Janet has had. And, and, you know, you know, she's had Paula, she's had Anthony, she has had you, she's had Gil. And then there's been other ones in there that have helped or, or done sections, Marty Kadelka, uh, Seanette. What is it about Janet as an artist where she has been able to take all of your styles and do such a great job? Uh, you're talking about as like as like her being an artist, like she, you know, cause, cause you, each of you have your style. Like I, you know, the minute I see something, I'm like, that's Tina work. You know what I mean? And so, and like Paula too, like even just watching those videos this morning, I'm like, just some of the movements, I'm like, that's such a Paula move. Like that was, that was done when she, you know, she's doing it. And Janet makes them all look flawless. Like, what is it about her as an artist, as a dancer that she's able to pull that off with all of you guys? Well, I just, I think that speaks to her greatness as a performer, right? And as a dancer, even though she probably still considers herself not a trained dancer, like this, at this point, like you've had years of training on stage. So she's a trained dancer. And I, I think she's also very aware of, she's self-aware of what works for her and what doesn't. So I think that we've all, every choreographer has to adjust their choreography to whomever they're working with. And I think that Janet, um, if she's not comfortable, if something's difficult, if it just doesn't feel right in her body, then she'll ask you to change it. And I so and that's why I think that she's able to work with almost anybody because she knows what works for her and she can take and leave pieces of it. Um, and she's also very aware that, hey, this doesn't look good on me, but I love the movement on the dancers. So maybe I'll just do something different here. I still can't believe it's 35 years since the Control album came out, it's bananas. In your thought process, again, you've worked with so many great artists, including Janet. Where does the Control album for you sit in, in pop music and R&B music history? Yeah, the Control albums. I mean, it's like, it's one of the top, I don't know, these things go on forever, right? Top 10, top 20, top 100. But it definitely has to be in the list of the top somethings, right? It was because it was one of the first, really. It was... And it wasn't a fluke. It was hard work. It was great music. It was great dance. And it was, so I think it lives, especially with the fans. Like you listen to that. I mean, I still listen to stuff. If I walk into a store and I hear control or pleasure principle or any of that, it's just like, it's nothing but good memories and good vibes because 
that's how the music made you feel. And Janet was new and Janet was a strong woman and Janet was a great dancer. And it's like, it gave everyone something to aspire to, whether you were a musician or a dancer or just someone who liked great music, like that music makes you want to move your body. And it, it just, it comes with like a flood of great feelings. Now, Janet, I'm not, I feel like you know this, but in case you didn't, recently Janet was able to find out that her fans managed to push control back to number one. Uh, and she put out a message saying that it actually had brought her to tears, which is, you know, amazing that, that just that whole situation, like it's amazing how much the fans love Janet and knowing that, you know, you've been a part of that, you know, you're, you know, we're super tight friends with her, I've been her choreographer and you, and you are such a fan favorite to this day. Like fans love Tina Landon. What does that, like, obviously knowing that it brought her to tears, but what does that mean for you? Like that the fans were able to do that, like 35 years later, like that's how much her album still means to people. Um, you know, Kelly, I've told you this a million times and probably on every interview when you ask me about the fans, Janet has some of the best fans ever. They are loyal. They are loving. They work for her. Like they, they will show up to any, anything having to do with Janet, anything having to do with Janet's music, her choreography, any workshop, any, uh, talk shop, book sign, like they are there. They are, you know, when I was on tour, like we had all over Europe, we had the same group of fans that would go from, I mean, they're sleeping in their cars, right? They're standing outside the hotel for like six hours just to see us walk in and, and wave. And that's it. And it's like, like those, they are some of the best fans to ever exist. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like when I heard it got pushed to number one again, I went, yeah, of course it did. That was not a surprise. And the fact that it brought Janet to tears, I mean, why, why wouldn't it, you know what I mean? To, to in this day and age, just to know that your fans have stood by you through thick and thin and that they still find you relevant they still or the world does because for an album to to last 35 years and to just get catapulted back to number one it says a lot about um what it was that she created at that time now i have to ask you this just before i let you go you know when you worked with her like it's it's the minute you stop working with her i'm sure the, the list was long of every artist that wanted to work with you because you'd worked with her and loved your work and what you managed to pull off with her. What is Janet like? And, and in all those years following when you worked with Rihanna, when you worked with R Ricky Martin, Christina, Jennifer, where does Janet sit with them? Like, because like we all know she's a legend, but just how important is a Janet to the pop and R and B community? Like when it comes to artists, like, like, is she like, she's just that influential. Where does Janet sit? I mean, a lot of those artists came out after her and we're dancing to the same music that I was dancing to and listening to and looking up to her for her artistry, her feminism, even though she was such a tomboy. It was just like, she was something that I think a lot of the artists that came after her aspired to be like, absolutely. So she's, you know, a queen. If you wanna put her at the, if you wanna give her a label, she fits in the queen spot for sure. And she's like the most humble queen, right? It's crazy. Yes, she is. She's humble. She's sweet. She's um, generous and loving. And if they could all be like that, it would be awesome. 
Perfect. Where are you and where can people, like what's coming up? Do you have like, cause you're always doing something. So. Well, right now I'm actually at my store that I own with my husband called Loud Music Company. Um, you can see all the stuff in the background and I'm learning how to play these guys behind me. I really so. like that blue drum set behind you. Like that's hot. It's that's like one of so many that yeah it's like a kid ship that to Canada for me because like it's cool. <laughs> no, you come visit us and then and my husband will gladly teach you how to play drums. So yeah, so I'm here today and I've got a little surprise coming up that I can't really talk about, but hopefully I can share it with everyone in a couple months. Perfect. Okay. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you as always for doing this. You're a rock star, and thank you. Thank you for asking me. I'm glad to be a part of it. And if we could just erase that it was 35 years ago, it'd be way better for me. <laughs> you got it. I'm on it. That is award-winning choreographer, Tina Landon. Make sure to follow her on Instagram at I am Tina Landon. The Kelly Alexander Show. Super happy to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show, our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. Hey, Kel, how are you? I am fantastic, and I'm very excited to talk to you this week about this particular topic because over the years, I think you and I and any sort of person have, have seen uh, artists, celebrities try this move uh, or, or at least sort of intone that they might pull this move, and I'm not sure it's the right one to pull, but uh, I was reading some uh, articles recently where Will Smith, and again, love Will Smith, love Will Smith, and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson also love they have kind of intoned, and apparently Will Smith has been intoning off and on for years, that they are contemplating at one point a um, shift maybe of a career choice into higher office. Uh, both of them saying that they are not sort of ruling out the opportunity to run for president of the United States, which, which as we know, is the biggest job you can pretty much have in that country uh, when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your thoughts on... Uh, these two particularly, but just in general, I guess we'll start just in general. Like, what are your thoughts uh, about, you know, artists and celebrities, actors who don't necessarily have any political experience thinking they can go into that realm and make policy when they've been on movie sets for 30 years? Well, I think that you hit it on the head right there. In my opinion, I think you do have to have some a little bit more than an understanding of the way the process works. I think you have to get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves. And if you're going into an office that represents the people, then you have to be able to have or draw on the experience of actually working for the people. I think uh, one of the great downfalls of the last four years was the clown that was the president before, <laughs> you know, that just got out. Um, that he had no political experience aside from glad handing and shooting his mouth off, which is not exactly uh, political experience. It's it's just um, it's patting his own ego, which I think he then went on to spend four years doing. So, uh, in the name of the people, and clearly, obviously, what some of the people wanted four years ago was a change. Uh, they just happened to fall for the uh, the, the false promises that were given to them by the clown. So uh, in my opinion, I think that anybody can run for office. I think that it, it best suits the, uh, the people when the person has some actual experience in working with the people. In looking, or for them, rather. <laughs> right. And in looking at someone like 
I know it's been done in the past, obviously, like Ronald Reagan, you know, made it to the highest office mm-hmm. in the land. And depending who you are, you either agree that he did a good job as president uh, somewhere in the middle or not, you know, uh, but he did manage right. to do exactly. it. He did do his two terms, as far as I remember. And uh, then we had Arnold Schwarzenegger, who um, made it to uh, be the governor of California. And again, either he did a great job or he doesn't, depending on how you view things. Um, so I, right. I think it's possible, you know, I think it's possible. It's just... Uh, I don't think anybody can do it. And like you mentioned, the last president, number 45, um, just really seemed to be doing it for ego-based purposes as opposed to the betterment of the American citizens. Uh, when it comes yeah, to... That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. And when it comes... So when it comes to someone, though, like... Like, my thoughts are, I actually think that a Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, could possibly do a good job at it because he's so committed to everything else. Like, it seems like every job he throws himself at, whether it's working out... You know, being in the you know World Wrestling Federation, being an actor, being a producer, be, like he really throws himself at it. So, um, mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts on him specifically? Well, him specifically, I think, like I said, I, I stand by the the idea that you have to, you can't just jump the queue and end up as president. I think you have to go through the process of of uh, representing the people in a way that gets you to a point where you are eligible mm-hmm. uh, to represent you know, to be in a position to be elected versus just being plunked in, you know, like I think, I think uh, Dwayne Johnson is a a smart man. I think that Will Smith is a smart man. I think these guys have come from their experiences and grown into uh, uh, not only good actors, but um, uh, smart business men. They know how to do things based on actual experience. I think if they are truly interested in applying that to, uh, a run for the president, I think they themselves know that they would have to do the actual hard work as they've each done in their own respective careers, mm-hmm. you know, the dirty work, let's say. So would you be comfortable if a Dwayne The Rock Johnson or a Will Smith, you know, uh, became like a junior senator from one of the states and then put in those four or five years or whatever and then threw themselves in? Like, would you, like, what kind of a base would you think they would have to put in before running for high office? Well, I think that because there is that somewhat of that of a requirement, and hopefully that country has learned from the last mistake <laughs> that they won't just let someone, you know, elect someone in that, uh, like a, an independent, let's say. Um, uh, I think that either one of them, I think we'd have to wait and see what they offer, what their platform is, where they're coming from, um, uh, you know, what are their ideas? How do they see things? You know, I think there's a lot to be discovered and and learned. I mean, sure, they are at the top of their respective games, uh, but uh, but it's not a game, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely not a game. And it's interesting, like, you know, many people said several years back that Oprah Winfrey, you know, should run for that job. And she was quite clear fairly quickly that that was not of interest to her. Like, it just sounds like she knew right away that she could, and I think she even said this point, you know, put this out as a statement or some kind of, you know, social media message that she felt she could do more outside that post as opposed to being in it. And I think she she inadvertently stoked the fire at the, um, was it the Golden Globes a few years ago? Oh, right, yeah, with she, that speech. With that speech where everybody was like, this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> And it was, you know, rooted in like, please let this happen. We really need this to happen. <laughs> um, but I think, I think, she, you know, she has a clear head on her shoulder. She too, at the top of her game, knows where her strengths are best used. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and she does that. I think what hopefully the takeaway from that is that, you know, you can't, you can't buy into the scam of it all. You have to really sort of, if you want better, if you want different from your government, then you have to be an active participant in that too. And not just, a not just the sheep going, yeah, what he said, let's do that, even though he's lying to us. I think that you can blame your uh, your party or your leader only so much. You have to be an active participant, not only in your life, but in how you want your life to unfold and, and for those around you. I wanted to ask you this, and I realize before I even ask it that it's not going to happen because this particular person does not want it to be. But I just wonder what your hopes could have been if this had been an option. If Michelle Obama had thrown herself into the ring, like, I love that woman. And I just think she would have done a great job uh, knowing the experience she has as uh, an attorney already and then, you know, living the life that she's led as First Lady. And I think being a really uh, important person to um, Barack Obama during his presidency, like, how do you think she would have done if she so chose to have put herself into that ring? Because so many people did want her to run several years ago. Yeah, I think it would have been an interesting uh, uh, journey for sure. I think the truth is that they, they, in air quotes, whoever they are, would never have let that happen just because no one's ready for a woman, let alone a woman of color. Um, that said, we had to go, we, I'm putting myself in their position, they had to go through the whole episode of the clown show to get to a point where they'd, you know, be accepting of a woman of color in the vice president position. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that was an accident either. Like I think obviously that, um, that uh, president Joe Biden picked his running mate properly, not just because she was a woman of color, but because she came from great experience and, uh, and whatever would happen, she's in a great position to, uh, to do not only her job, but his. Right. I think. Um, so Michelle Obama would have been a great idea, but I don't think that. Look at how they reacted with Hillary Clinton. The whole, the whole dark side of things mm -hmm. to our neighbors to the south of us. They, uh, there's, there's too much that gets in the way of, of um, a simple and clean process that muddies the whole thing. That she could have been, you know, Michelle Obama could have been perfect. Hillary Clinton could have been perfect for the job, but. No one, if they if a, if a particular side doesn't want it to happen, they are going to make certain that it won't. Exactly. Well, uh, I think that Kamala will do a great job uh, when she gets uh, her opportunity because I'm not sure I'm not sure how that's going to actually play in the next several years. Like if he'll run again when he's eligible, um, or if he'll have said that's enough. Um, after four years, uh, Joe Biden. But I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And Kamala, I think, has that great um, character where, like, she can obviously be the woman of experience that, uh, you know, they need. And also she's relatable. So I think that's super important, too. I agree 100 percent. I think she's more than qualified and she's got a no BS uh, approach to things that people love. I know I do, you know, and it's not from a lack of experience. It's because of all the work that she's done to this point that whether it was, you know, uh, um, to, uh, to please the, uh, uh, the masses. No, I think she was doing her job, whether or not it pleased people, she had to do the job and she did it the way she did it. And now she's reaping the reward of that. And ideally 
the people, our neighbors to the south of us, are, are recognizing that they too will reap the reward of her experience. Sharon, I appreciate your time as always. Kelly, I see uh, Kamala Harris and Will Smith as a double bill. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I think it'll be interesting to see if if people that say at this point, you know, like a Will Smith or a a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, if they're pointing that they may have an interest in doing it, I hope that they are prepared to do the work. Yeah, agreed. A thousand percent. Sharon, thank you so much for this. Hey, Cal, thank you. That is our music director, uh, music editor, I should say, Sharon Highland. And you can definitely check out the podcast that we co-host together, 90s Now, 90snow.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the show this week and a big shout out to our guests, Tina Landon and Sharon Hyland. My thanks to Adam Brisson for being an amazing producer and don't forget that you can listen to us on many different podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, Google Play and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have a great week. You and I will chat soon.